Welcome to episode 517 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alrighty, team, welcome along to episode 517 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? Pretty good, pretty good. You really? got a dark in the morning? Yeah, you got a stupid cat that just went outside. Why the stupid of a cat? It's freezing outside? out there. Joe's going for a run. Is Joe stupid? She's a stupid cat as well. <laughs> Crazy cat. <laughs> Crazy cat. Nice. Turn it around. Yeah. I'm stupid. Did, did you, I noticed you didn't bike up. No, no biking up today. You're biking today? No. I bi- am, but I'm not doing much right. Why not? Because it's I'm going into Easy Week, uh-huh. and it's raining. Is it raining right now? Oh yeah. Oh really? Exciting times. Is oh, your daily we- weather report from Christchurch? <laughs> Here we go. I'm talking. proudly brought to you by. Did you hear the rain on Sunday night? Mm. Were you? Did the, the the blustery winds keep you up? Uh no. no. Oh, I, I had a terrible night's sleep. The winds were blustery and yeah, Christchurch weather. That's crazy. Oh, anyway. I'm talking proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social oh, networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. Mm, these rock stars are some of the patrons of the show, John. Let's name some. Paul Madman Mitchell. Madman Mitchell. I've got Martin Silver Surfer. Sylvester. Neil the Ninja Stafford. Tim. Who's that what? Beastie. Beastie Bessent. Yeah. And David the Great Greyhound Hutchian. Work so if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.iamtalk.me and it will change your life forever. We get emails every week saying something about becoming a patron, everything in my life works in my advantage afterwards. And you get a nickname, yeah, and you get a nickname. And some of them are high quality, yeah. Basically, what you do is you become a patron, then go put all your money on the house at the casino, you retire exactly. Yeah, it's wise advice from Bevan. Okay, guys, on this week's show, we've got some news, we've got an age it's a bit of a traditional show, we've got age group, we've got statistic, we've got coach's corner. What are you talking about there? Uh, I think it was heart rate. Someone was asking a question around heart rate uh, and how to sort of work out your max heart rate and your zones and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, my first try. Got some questions and answers at the end, and that's pretty much the show. Jumbo, we had Ironman Lenza Grotti on last weekend, and big surprise. Yes, it was. We would say that's a big surprise, wouldn't we? We were talking last week. Frodino and Lissy's just taking it as a walk in the park. And it didn't look like he went nuts in terms of going crazy on the bike because we've seen him do that in Germany last year. Uh, so predictably, he let out a swim. Uh, so Frodo swam 46.52 to be first out. He said it took him two minutes to put his helmet on. Yeah, what's all that about? I mean, we saw Maka had that, that one issue once in Kona where the helmet take straps. two minutes put your helmet on? Just well, no, maybe his strap must have either come undone or the buckle came off or something. But, God, I've never had that... I, I don't know. It just seems bizarre that you'd have a, a helmet malfunction. Anyway, he did, and he lost two minutes in transition. He did make his way back up to the, the lead group, I think, not quite uh, to the lead coming off the bike, and then everybody probably thought, well, he'll just jog through the run. And he certainly didn't jog through the run. I mean, he ran a 2.50.03, so uh, he's certainly capable of going a lot quicker than that, but that's still not pissing around. Uh but he got passed by Jesse Thomas, who ran a 2.46.56. Well, on his Twitter, he's got, uh, thanks for the masterclass and pacing, Jesse Thomas. As for me, the aftermath isn't pretty. Pizza, chocolate, chips, ice cream, and Hubbro, whatever it is. Uh, and he's got, seriously, though, good job, Jesse Thomas. Legit course to get the win on 
um, maybe I should get some T1 pointers back home. So yeah. what annoys me about triathlon media? We're not really media. We just sort of well, we, look at, we, we look at it from the from there. But surely there's someone there who got some comments from these dudes. I couldn't find anywhere that there was any comments. You know, I want to hear what Jan Fredino felt like in the race. Was he? Did he just? Did he blow up? You know, did it? Was he not planning on running um, crazy hard? And equally from Jesse Thomas, you know, how how his run actually went went because like on the Ironman site they basically have a, a one liner from each of them. Yeah. It's like we want to know how they felt. I don't want to know the the story of the race. You can kind of, you can just, but it just seems that all the commentators out there just sort of look at the results like we do and kind of think, well, this is how it went. Surely there was someone on the ground who could have got some comments. Anyway, Jesse Thomas, legendary performance because he was a bit down after the swim. He fa- swam 50-55, um, biked 4.58.33, which is pretty much the same as those guys. So his uh, deficit um, from the swim pretty much stayed the same. But yeah, 2.46, great run. Yeah, it's and, a great run, um, Sounded like he just ran straight past Fredino and kept on going. Yeah, he's got Fredino's got a very health, happy, healthy, and salvation to the objective to be. So the Kona should be secured. This has been translated. So uh, Kona should be secured and not the focus goes directly to the next goal, July the 17th. So the focus goes, again, this has been translated from German, um, to Challenge Road. So maybe maybe this is a stepping stone, or obviously is a stepping stone, and Road's probably mm. going to be that next level. And then obviously Kona's the big goal for there. But and yeah. Jesse's story to win the race. And, oh, absolutely. And, and that, and that's a great run. Mm. And, you know, after, because it turned out it was pretty windy on the bike, mm-hmm. uh, which is to be expected in Lanzarote, yeah. but at the same time, so he's getting off the bike probably a bit fatigued, and then to mm. run a 246 there is pretty smoking. It's just, it seems to me this season, the standard of running has bumped up consistently at almost every race we've had. We've had is this just the year, a John? lot of good running. Is this the year? I don't know. If we'll Sub 240 at Kona. That, that just comes down to. Yeah. It's certainly possible. Well, it's always been possible. Yeah. It just never bloody happens. You just need the right conditions. Depends how the bike sort of pans out if you're not too smoke coming off the bike. But, um, yeah, there's certainly some guys there that are capable of doing it. So Jesse Thomas first, Jan Fredino second, David McNamee had a really nice step up there for him in third place. And a guy, Chris Beard, who I've never heard from from the States, in fourth, and Ivan Rana fifth, Timo Brax sixth. So that's a quality top six you got there which is somewhat surprising because it's a it's a low prize money race there's only five thousand us for first timo bracht in sixth place uh, one of the best ironman athletes in the world takes home a whopping 750 dollars at the same time the guys knew what the prize money was before going into that race and if they'd wanted better prize money they could have gone off to you know one of the regional championships or um or a better paying race yeah yeah, the, the organisers have been stuck to that field. Yeah. You and know, it's pretty great. What happened on the girls' side of things? Girls' side of things. Tina Horse took it out, uh, swam 101, uh, biked 534 and ran a 3.19. So pretty close racing against Alexandra Tondor from Belgium, who was only two minutes back in 10.04. And uh, both of those came in quite a bit quicker than, especially Tina Holst came in 23 minutes quicker than expected on Torsten's ratings and Lucy Charles was in third from Great Britain, Diana Reisler fourth and Caroline Livesey from Great Britain in fifth. And we've got a bit of info about um, Lucy Charles, so what's the, what's the gossip here? She was the next swimmer, Jombo. Yeah, so we had um, good old Dutchie, 
Rob Lyons from Tri Anglia, Anglia send us in a bit of a note. She said Lucy Charles was uh, third lady, having dominated the swim and led throughout the bike. She's an ex GB swimmer who trains with the uh, Hoddleston Tri Club within the Eastern Region. This was her first IM distance race as a pro. She won her age group in Kona in 2015, oh, wow. having posted the fastest swim split there. Uh, those in the region who know her, including Joe Skipper, were half expecting her to check the blokes for the swim. What was her swim time? And her so swim time was 47.11 versus Jan Fredino's 46.52. So she went pretty close to yeah, chicken cool, all those boys. And I would imagine if she had beaten Jan. Yeah. You know, pretty close. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine. I bet she was fighting for it. I bet you by the end she was like, come on, come on, get them. Well, I'd imagine they would have had a split start. They oh, probably would, girls wouldn't have uh, started at the same time as the, as the, the guys. So. Impressive stuff, and she, um, Rob also commented that uh, Mark Livesey, who we had on the show a few weeks yeah. ago, yep. um, got fifth. from Exhale, got fifth in the men's 40 to 44 with a 10.03. I would expect that's probably got to go close to being getting a Kona slot, might be just maybe no, just out, yeah, maybe yeah. with roll down, yeah. But in close. that race, I can't imagine they've got many slots. That's a big category, but you probably got three, maybe three, four. Three, maybe four. Yeah, so fingers crossed Mark got the slot. Okay, yeah. John, a big race that John's always loved and wished there was more of in the triathlon world was the Triple T, and it happened in America. The American Triple T happened last weekend, and good old... Moose Herring. Yeah, sent through some good... We'll go one for one, eh? Okay. So basically, he just gave us through bullet points, and lots of bullet points, which is really good. Uh, first, The first bullet point was Triple T is settled in the middle of Ohio, uh, mountains in a state park. We stay in a cabin on site, and that was key because we rode our bikes to and from the race each day. That's pretty cool. That'd be vital to be able to just go chill out after yeah. each race. The swims were fantastic in a mountain lake at 62 degrees, which is 15 degrees centigrade. I wouldn't I wouldn't be using the word fantastic when I'm describing swimming in 15 degrees. That's, that's fairly, fairly chilly. Mm. Uh, they started in groups of three running from the beach. All rides were on rough roads with a lot of great climbing and steep technical descents. Both Olympic and half runs were on gravel, muddy fire road, muddy fire roads. It was basically three miles up a hill and three miles down, with the half being two loops. Oh, nice race one Friday night at PM. Um, it was a 250 meter swim, a 6k bike, a 1.2 miles up a steep hill and back down, one mile run. Race number two, you had uh, in the morning, you had an Olympic distance race, a two loop swim, 24 mile bike, and a six. 0.55 mile run, um, rode home, ate, slept and reloaded. And then race number two on Saturday was a 27 mile bike, a one mile swim, uh, run 6.55, must be mile. Yeah. This was hard. Getting wetsuit on after riding was challenging to prevent the cramps. You hit the water and that cold water in your body went into shock. Race number three, probably the hardest half I've ever raced. So that's uh, they do that on Sunday morning. Everyone is sitting at the start line with a glazed look, knowing they have to do the two times Saturday bike course back to back and uh, and the mountain run twice. There was little to no warming up. This uh, fan, this event is fantastic. The athletes were supportive. There were high quality fields from all over the country. Most using this as Ironman prep. The time before and after the races was spent just talking and telling stories. Each race had a finish line, but there was no fanfare, no crowds. It was just a blow-up arch and a volunteer who said, give me a chip and get some rest. <laughs> it was a great experience in pacing. Rob and I had planned to race the Olympic and the half iron pacing, trying to make the full uh, the half at full iron pacing. 
the team concept has really changed. A lot of the super fast guys were racing solo. Rob and I had a blast as a team. We won the men's category but only finished top 15 in each race. So just to explain that, you used to have to race as a team but they've kind of relaxed that and now you have individuals and you have some teams where two, two of you race uh, So when, when you do as a team, you, you, every individual does the race and it's combined or well, do you do segments? Maybe you should have listened to the interview we did with the, the race organiser a little while ago. Why did we do that? Oh, a little while ago, a few oh, months ago. Pretty, oh, really? Did yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah. Did you do it? No, we did it together. Did we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> okay, well, and what did he say? He said exactly what he said. <laughs> you can't remember either. No, you, ra- you race, you, you go as team. You go, you <laughs> he go as said team. exactly what he said. <laughs> it's a weak <laughs> You no. give me a hard time and you don't know yourself. You, you go, you go, you race as, uh, with, with your teammate. Okay, so wait, but you meant to stay together? Well, your time... It's, so it's just combined. So time. So it's individuals, but... Yeah, individuals, okay. but your time is... I would time. recommend that for, for an athlete who wants to... He said what he said. <laughs> I would recommend this for an athlete who wants an incredible training block with a very difficult terrain. No big look how great I am at the finish. Looking to prep for iron distance. Several athletes walked off the starting line on Sunday morning. <laughs> That's got to be great. <laughs> had enough. I'm going home. <laughs> I've had enough. I'm sick of this crap. <laughs> uh, this is not an Ironman. There is no fancy village or pre-race show. There is no fancy finish line with lots of fans screaming. This is all about getting the day done. The athletes do not have that self-centered attitude of, of I'm here to qualify for Kona. Everyone was supportive, friendly, and like-minded. It does sound like a great event. Oh, I would love to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, I would, lo- I would love to set one up to do for New Zealanders yeah. um, but I'd also love to go and do it I just think it's cool how you again you, you, you're sitting there on the start line on Sunday you're smoked and you've still got to get up and do a half Ironman and you're so. right, and he's right if you could kind of get it's a pity there aren't more of this type of racing on because if mm. you are doing an Ironman you could get something like this done about six weeks out mm. it's a great training block isn't exactly. it exactly you know and, and because the distances aren't that killer you know the half at the end will be pretty challenging but mm. at the same time you you know you're not it's not doing an Ironman or it's not Crazy running. Um, so Rob, the Robin, more on. Yeah, Robin Moose were part of the Steel Hammer team that took out the males race um, in 20 hours and 51 minutes and 43 minutes. So that's their two times combined. Uh, they, but they did get taken out by a co-ed team, which did uh, 20 hours and 43 minutes. So nice work to you guys. And the first female team was... If your leg day in 23 hours and 32, 40, 41 minutes. On the um, overall standings, you had Chad Holden Brown take it out in 9 hours 36, 48. So you're basically doing an Ironman spread over two and a half days. And then you had Matthew Shanks in second in 9.40 and Jeff Page far and third and nine forty five. Those were guys. Those were the guys in the the individual racing. Um, so the team team athletes didn't uh, get classified in that individual ranking. So nice work, you guys that did triple T. Yeah, good stuff. And and fingers crossed, we start to see more of those types of races out there on the calendar. Um, Jumbo, we had a number of seventy point threes over the weekend. Do you want any particular want to talk about? No, I was just sort of whipping through. Well, I, I a couple of things of note for me. So Sebastian Keenlay. Um, 
got on top of yep. Sam Appleton at the 70.3 in Chattanooga. We'll have Ironman later in the year. Um, Heather Jackson had a pretty dominating performance on the girls' side of things, winning by seven minutes from Magalie Tesserier. But Miranda Carfrey uh, was only in third and 4.19. And it's interesting that it's a bike who let her down. She, like, the swim was actually pretty good for her. And then... yeah, she's, she's an okay swimmer. She's not like, one of the great swimmers, but she's okay. But it's just a bike. Was, she's... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be so. The, the girls so standard. 10 minutes and a half. Mm, the girls standard in biking has improved quite a bit over the last few years. And uh, what's, what's, your, what's your pick for her this year? Oh, I just think she's going to lose too much time on the bike. You know, she's going to come through with that legendary run most yeah, well, likely. Last year was the first year we haven't really seen the run. Oh well, no, this well, no, she was she, she didn't didn't finish last year. Yeah, that's so right. The year before, you know, that's when she came from. Oh, that was amazing. Run. Amazing. I just think she's going to lose too much time on the bike. And the girls. To me, that's her win there. That year was one of the most gutsiest Ironman performances mm. you've ever seen. Oh, it was, no, it was, it was just stunning. Impressive. So, uh, yeah, I think that biking, I mean, it's a long way to Kona now, but that biking's going to need to improve a bit. Mm. We had 70.3 in St. Poulton. We had Andy Boucheret take it out from Rudy Wilde, and on the girls, Laura Phillip took it out from Yvonne Vlam Vlerken. And 70.3 in Barcelona, we had Patrick Nielsen take it out, and Emma Bilam from Switzerland. Okay, well, we've got IMM, uh, the South American Championships coming up this weekend. IMM Brazil is coming up, and uh, Jumbo the Field. Um, okay, here it is. 4,000-point race, so it's a biggie in terms of anybody wanting to try to qualify for Kona, and these championship races have $150,000 prize purse, so they pay well, they've got good points, and they're really trying to, try and encourage those pros to, to rock up. It's going to be interesting to see if Brent McMahon can continue his streak of sub eight hour performances because he has up until Kona last year he's had sub eight every single time he started and we'll see if he can maintain it. He and got it can be done on this course. Oh, yeah. Helnicker did a seven fifty three here. So yeah, last year all the top three all went under yep. eight hours. He had last year Van Holnacker and uh, went 7.53, Tim O'Donnell 7.55 and Brent McMahon 7.56 so yep it's pretty fast racing, Brent McMahon's back Ronnie Shieldnick's there, good steady performer Tim Don, he should go pretty fast um, Paul Matthews should go pretty fast, probably not quite as strong a field as last year but yeah, no, it's still not strong is it, you know yeah. Brent's definitely kind of that next level pedigree isn't he, especially yeah. if you look at try rating he's going to, he's expect times 8.01 and then mm. from there it's about another 12 minutes behind him mm. based on you know history. But I would expect Tim Don to be be right up there you know he'll swim with Brett McMahon and, and if he keeps up on the bike he can be an absolute weapon he's pretty is, it, is it fair to say Tim Dom's a bit of a disappointment as an Ironman uh, for what he was as an you know like if your theory of the Olympic guys are coming Tim Dom was a pretty great Olympic athlete yeah I, I don't have his Ironman record he's had, he, he goes okay he's doing yeah, very he's well at halves he, he hasn't really been firing up no. Ironman world has he but, no I'd say he's, he's yeah I think he, he'll go okay Okay, uh, on the fence here, John. Yeah, no, I think he'll, <laughs> think he'll go okay there. Uh, but he's, you know, those he's he's getting a bit long in the tooth, you know. He yeah, but be... Tim Dobbin was a world champion. Mm. Um, so you, you know, based on your theory, when the Olympic guys come, they yeah. dominate the dojo. Brent McMahon's dominating. He's an Olympic dude. Well, yeah, but he wasn't. Tim he was a world champion. No. no, I beat Brent McMahon. Loves that he beats Tim Dobbin nine men. I mean, he does too. Um, so I think it'll be uh, my prediction is Brent McMahon first, Tim Don second, and Ronnie Shieldnick in third. Give us side of things we've got. Caitlin Snow, Liz- Elizabeth Lyles, I think would be your, your, your two of your big hitters. Um, both, there, John. <laughs> oh, both, both great runners. So Elizabeth Lyles expected runtime, 3.05, although Irene 
Monticelli from Brazil is expected at 3.02. And Caitlin Snow, who we've seen some great runs from in Kona, sub threes and stuff, is uh, expected to come in at 3.02. Five. Geez, you got some good runners there. Kirsten Moller from Germany. She's expected to run a 3.01. Yeah, some impressive run times. Who's the Spanish girl? Because she's expected even to run a 3.06, which is pretty pretty sharp. Yeah, so good girls, Phil. We've got about 20 on the start line. Guys, we've got about 25 to 30. So, Which is luck. the weakest of the championship races? We've got, we've got what have we got? We've got Germany, Ma- so, or was Melbourne, so there's yeah. got to be an Australasian one coming back. Oh, well, that's in Cairns um, in a couple yeah. of weeks' time. I wonder if they'll be very strong. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, and then you've got South Africa and Brazil. Brazil. And America. And where's, where's the North American one? Didn't we have it just recently? Texas, was it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So would you say the weakest is probably Brazil at this stage? Mm, probably. Is there too many championship races now? No. No, I don't think so at all. Uh, but it just seems that they're not quite attracting that those stellar well, we had three. So the, at first it was what, it was the US, Melbourne, and Germany. I think South Africa's been there most of the time. I think that, no, 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 no they've had this. They've had South Africa. Uh, they've had uh, South America and South Africa have been in championship fields since they announced it. Oh. But I just think that they'll need to pump up that prize money a little bit more. Maybe to get them get it to two fifty. I think that would probably help to. Swing things a bit more to get a few more of those big, big games. Because mm, good field, championship field. It's as good as the other championship field. It's as good as Germany's. The, as Germany's the, the pedigree, and Melbourne was as well. Yep. But mm. okay, um, we've got Ironman. No, there's a new race coming up, and it's Alaska Man Extreme Triathlon. It's another noose man kind of example of racing. And it looks pretty challenging looking at the little kind of pictures they've got here on Slow Twitch. Yeah, so Jordan, Jordan Rapp did a little post there. But I, but I did go onto their website, so it's called Alaska Man, and uh, the, the bike doesn't look overly challenging. It's only got a, just over 1,000 metres of climbing. It looks Weak. Oh, that's, that's, not, that's not too much at all. Um, but what's interesting is I think they still haven't, haven't opened up entries yet, and a lot of the stuff is... Provisional bike route, provisional run. And uh, even provisional date at this stage. Yeah, the, the run does look pretty epic, though, in terms of uh, you have a very tough climb in the, the second part of the run. It's kind of cool, though. It is point to point, and I'm sure it'll be beautiful up there. The swim looks cold as hell. Um, I mean, the bike you know, looks looks pretty stunning riding through Alaska, and then, the, as I said, the run is uh, goes up uh, basically to a, you know, a, a pretty Norseman-y type sort of finish with a big building at the top, and I think you get a, uh, a, a chairlift back down. So if you're after a bit of a challenge, check it out, Alaska Man. Mm, I'd love to go to Alaska as well. It'd be cool. Yeah, I would love to go to Alaska. But there are, there's loads of these events now, but it's good to see one in North America because you have the Austria Extreme Triathlon. Mm. You've got um, Obviously the Norseman. Swiss Man, Norse Man. What's the one that Scott did? Embra Man. That's what no, I want no, to no, do. No, no, no. Oh, the, the Kelp Man. Yeah. So there's lots of these events around. Uh, this one, I think I saw, was going to have a limit of 300 um, participants, which is pretty standard amongst a lot of these events. So, yeah, it's cool racing point to point, and it's... Uh, Kind of cool having a bit of a hill climb at the end. John's ITU updates to triathlon.org. We've got a little link here saying who has actually been officially qualified and been confirmed for the Olympics. And it's got each country it's gone through. And some interesting insights here, John. 
there is because this this is not the final start list, but it basically says who has been named. A lot of countries have yet to name exactly their people, but a few people we now know have missed out. Um, and yeah, so we've talked in the past about you know you you often ask me is there anybody that could be a medalist, and I think the only medal potential and strong chance for a medalist was uh, Jody Stimson, who hasn't been named in the, the the GB team, and the GB guys have also not named their third male yet so they've named the two Brownleys who but do you think will be do you have an idea I've got no idea um, I wouldn't be surprised uh, yeah no I just don't know do you think they go domestique I, they just don't need I don't they yeah, don't really need to yeah kind of you, you go for a domestique if you've if got, got someone yeah. who's not so good in the swim and you need to potentially drag them up you know if a Brownlee punches or something like that you can't give them a wheel or give them your bike it's yeah. not like cycling so and in ITU if you punch you're pretty much game over yeah, unless they have a wheel, uh, there is a you, you can keep a spare wheel at a certain point. So if you can make it through to that, yep. if you had a slow puncher, you'd be you'd probably be okay. If you blow it, but if you blow it out, no, yeah, yeah, it's game over. So Great Britain, it'll be interesting to see who they name for their third one. Um, Australia, uh, one thing that I did note, they've got a young fella coming through, Bert Whistle. He won a French Grand Prix race at the weekend. He beat Gomez and Brownlee, uh, but he hasn't made hasn't met the Australian criteria. So he might be their first. Reserve, uh, and the the other area where the the, the it's very strong is the American females. Uh, they haven't yet named their third female. They've had two automatic qualifiers with uh, Gwen Jorgensen and Sarah True, um, but I don't think they've named their third female yet. And equally, New Zealand, our only automatic qualifier was Andrea Hewitt, who met the criteria. So they haven't named our guys or our girls. And I think we've got two for each. Is it? We've definitely got. I'm pretty sure we've got two girl, two guys. Um, but I think we might, or it'll be close to sneaking three, girls three on the girls okay. side of things. And who do you think the other two will be? Well, you would think that it'd be Nikki Samuels, uh, and then the third spot is a bit. If we've got three, I'm not quite sure. It's a bit. There's a few girls there, so could it's be an interesting look, selection. Uh, look, is there only what about another six, seven weeks away? I saw it on the news last night. Was it seventy <laughs> something days? Yeah. Or? So it's um, it's funny how. Uh, um, you're not really ready for it yet you know like it will just come it's always the way it just comes around Mm. this is going to be a really interesting Olympics because kind of the PR you're hearing about it it sounds like it's going to be a disaster Um, and even they're saying ticket sales are really down and so it's no different to Greece so Greece was Athens was still from a spectator's point of view not that I was there it was was fantastic oh was it yeah yeah but it would just be interesting like I'm literally going to try lock out those two weeks (laughs) like I'm, I'm going to try book as little of my time yeah because I, because I remember when they were in Great Britain last time. Because it was, it was almost the worst time for us in Great Britain, wasn't it? Because mm. I would, it kind of started about 10, eight at eight at night, didn't they? Mm. And I would be up to three in the morning and mm. starting work at five, and I did it like six days in a row, and I was losing the plot. And luckily, I had to go away for work because mm. that was the only reason I would have stopped. Oh, Whereas this great. time, it, it starts, it pretty much starts at like four in the morning for us. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess it will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it kind of starts. So actually, if I get up at four. Mm. Watch it till about four in the afternoon. <laughs> the, the evening events will be mid afternoon. That'll be great. Yeah. So don't expect much progress. If I coach you, don't expect a lot of progress <laughs> as well. You know, not much happening. <laughs> so, and then, well, probably the one other thing for me was uh, the Spanish team. They've uh, put Alaza in there, who's a real up and coming. Not up and coming. He won a World Championship Series race recently. But guy, they, guy. Yes. They've, so they've got Gomez, who's always going to make the front pack. But you know, the raging one, of, not the raging hot favourite, but the best probably runner at the moment is Mario Mola, and he is suspect in the swim. 
So, so they have got a domestique, basically. So they haven't got a domestique. Oh, they haven't? No. So Alaza is in his own right. He could be a potential medalist. Oh, really? Um, but Mola is the best runner, and it would have been tempting to put someone in there saying, your sole role is to make sure Mario Mola gets what, the front. I wonder, I wonder if but Gomez had an influence Gome, on that. Yeah, but then you've got Gomez. Yeah. Going, oh. But I guess the good thing is they've covered their bases here. Gomez be in the front pack and if it comes together Mola's probably the best runner at the moment so they're in a good position do you know the date of the, of the triathlon? no some stage in August okay. oh. yeah, some <laughs> stage in August <laughs> well done <laughs> okay discussion of the week last week's discussion was would a mass participation race or how would a mass participation race best if it were to happen so let me put up my little Facebook page here John Joe Coombe I think it's uh, there is a place for it but I agree about the drafting concerns that said I raced Ironman France in 2011 with 2,800 other athletes the mass start swim on the beach was one of the most exciting moments in the sport for me drafting isn't an issue we have over 2,000 people uh, 2,000 metres of elevation on the bike course I reckon those kind of courses can accommodate larger numbers on the alternative would be somewhere in would be some of the Middle East destinations where they close huge freeways on the bike Peter Colson he's put the little line above his, his, his O yeah, hey, he's gone next level in yeah. changing his Facebook name. I've been saying this for years. Not everyone wants to go to have the quality of Kona. Some people just want to cover the distance and have the experience. There should be two different race colours: blue for the people trying to qualify for Kona, red for the people who just want to do the distance. Blue starts sixty minutes in front of those with the red numbers. Blue can't draft. Ha ha ha. Blah blah blah. Um, red can draft. Have outside assistance. Whatever. They can even run in the finishing shoot with 14 family members. <laughs> nice. Dig that one in there, Pete. <laughs> Jeremy Hopwood, uh, no no Kona slots and do more as charity type events, aka like the big uh, the big frondos, which are the big bike races around the world. One loop bike um, or point to point on a flat course and make it draft legal. Target the one and done crowd um, with this even or a series. Oh, and Michael Kennedy loves this. He goes, I agree with everything that you have said. Does the cost stop some of some of the one and done crowd? And if so, curious to know what percentage and lastly, what price would increase the participation? Mm. And then Jeremy came back and said, I doubt the cost stops the bucket list crowd. Draft legal means options for a cheaper bike, road bike. Uh, and at least in North America, the book Fondos marathons are quite pricey in terms of entry. You do raise a good point that this could definitely create a feeder system for more traditional races in smaller towns. Peter Mills, it needs one, an incredible point-to-point course, two, wave starts, three, draft um, permissible race, four, lots of ambulances <laughs> to deal with the draft-related uh, pile-ups. Love your concise points there, Peter. Peter, but Matthew Bins, just do it old school. Master all together. Mm. Rich Coleman, uh, possibly, but only if the powers that be finally get round to reducing event cutoff times on the other races. Meaning, so you make it harder in the other races? Is it meaning reducing cutoff times or being relaxing them? I'm not quite sure. Well, reducing is, means you're making we're it reducing harder. it. Yeah. So you would say start at seven, finish by whatever. That's um, definitely not Scott. No, it would be a massive draft and crash fest. On the upside, bike insurance companies would, could sponsor it. That's, <laughs> that's a good point. Gildas Dubois, yes, but wave starts. 
swim with no 180 degree turns and very wide road for the first 40k of the bike. Peter Mills has got bullet points. <laughs> he's got no bullet points. Peter, Peter he, he got his points across. Oh, so he's got bullet points first, and then okay, uh, we've got uh, Joseph Mohul. Uh, yep, go ahead. It would be a laugh, John. When we have those big cycle races where you got thousands of people, mm. is crashing a problem? Uh, they have some pileups. Yeah, but like you know, when they get twenty thousand people doing a soccer race, don't know about those ones. But I know just from New Zealand experiences, it's not horrendous because you you know, but you do have crashes. Uh, but I, I don't foresee that being a, a crazy amount of problem. The difference would be with that versus uh, a triathlon is, in that in those type of events, you naturally filter out into your groups from the start, whereas in a triathlon you're going to have a bit more passing because you're going to have the weaker swimmers coming through. So there is a potential of that. So, look, I think this could could be great, but at firstly you need to find the right venue because a lot of Ironman races wouldn't be able to cater for, you know, five to 10,000 people um, mm-hmm. in terms of accommodation. So I'm thinking in New Zealand, Taupo would almost be able to handle it. Um, there's not a lot of accommodation, but when I think of Wanaka, I think it's probably almost capped out in terms of there's not enough accommodation. But they've been saying that with the, like a mass participation, a bigger city would want it. Like when we look at what happened with the ITU in Auckland <coughs> or the half in Auckland, it just wasn't enough people. But then you got the challenges, then we're in a city and you've got to have Close more roads, but more major roads. Yes, yeah, so um, so I think that's a, that's a real challenge is finding the right course and uh, and having a bike course where you can have rolling road co- um, closures. I think definitely agree with a lot of the guys. You need to have a one lap bike course um, <clears throat> just because of that that sort of passing issues. You certainly wouldn't want to have two or three laps because it just become a nightmare. Even two laps, you know, in Taupo, we start passing people on mm. on lap two, and uh, you'd have to have it out the back, wouldn't you? And but I, th- I suppose the thing is, do we actually need one? You know, the races aren't really selling out these days, and if someone wants to do one. Generally, you're going to be able to go and find one, but it would be, well, yeah. I like yeah, no, it. well, that's a good point because I, I actually think it's a cool idea. I think it's something different. Yeah, you know, and it would be quite cool to do an Ironman where you could draft. Yeah, you know, it'd be really interesting just to. <coughs> now, it's a, it's a different experience. Um, and could you call it an Ironman? Maybe you'd have to label it as something different because mm. I think there is something different between a race where you could draft and can't draft. Mm. And in some ways you think, well, in some ways the swim would then even the field out, but then you're going to get different levels of ability in the bike. Because in a bike race, we kind of, everyone kind of sorts them out pretty early and you're going to be with a similar ability most of the race. Mm. Whereas with the drafting swim or the swim that splits the field up, you're going to get people who are amazing cyclists having to work through big packs. So that can mm. make it a bit more technical. Um, I, I think it would be really cool. Yeah. So I had, um, so Rob Green, who was uh, who did the Triple T at the last weekend, he um he went off and did a half Ironman, might have even been the weekend before or the weekend before that, and he was under strict instructions not to race it, and he just kind of cruised it at this Ironman from, pace. from coach. And he, yeah, and he yeah. said, it was quite a lot of fun, where I just sort of cruised through a race, and you just kind of not at the limit. I would love to go and do something like Nice, um, where you go and do the swim, and you do the bike ride as a 
you know, as a training ride where you're riding through through amazing scenery yep. and you can be riding along and having a chat to people rather than focusing on sitting on 230 watts and making sure you're having a, your nutrition all the way through. We just cruise it, you get off the run and, and then you go and run a marathon and again, maybe have a point-to-point run over there. You could potentially run down to Khan, Khan and back. I'm not quite sure how far that is, but or you have a point-to-point run where you run to through Monaco and run into Italy or something like that. So I think, it could be really cool. Um, and I think the other thing as well is because your point was about saying that races aren't selling out, which is a really good point. So is there really a demand? But if we look at the big city marathons, the fact that you're running 50,000 people makes it appealing. Mm. You know, So if you think there's going to be an Ironman for 15,000 people racing or something like stupid like that, that kind of makes it appealing in itself. So for in Christchurch, for example, we swim in Christchurch, <clears throat> you bike to Kaikoura, 180 k's, yep. and then you run another 42 k's to Blenheim. Yeah. Something like that. It, it would need to be a bit different. It wouldn't, you know, if it, it was just a, you know, go to Ironman Frankfurt, I don't know. It, yeah, it would, it would need to have something a little bit different for, to get me there. But something like Nice would be, uh, that would be cool. I do, I think the conclusion is I do think there is probably a place for something mm. like this. Um, how you go about doing it, there's probably many kind of challenges in front of you. John, this week's discussion. Yes. Um, yesterday I went and had a little uh, chat with Anna Russell who uh, used to be an, she's used to be a pro, race pro for a period of time for New Zealand and she said she used what, to listen what, what to the distance? show Iron Man okay. she qualified for Kona as a pro uh, I think 20, 2013 maybe something like that and she said she used to listen to the show and that always worries me I, I said um, mm, I didn't say anything to offend you yeah. <laughs> and apparently I wasn't too bad but what's she doing now? She's, so she's working for, for Triathlon New Zealand. Oh, okay. And, but she was sort of saying she used to listen to the show each week and go and figure out where she was in the standings and she used to love Torsten stuff and email back and forth with Torsten uh, and you know, she was, she was going to be right on the border of whether she qualified or whether she didn't. And so it sort of got me thinking, if you were a pro um, but you had a top 10 result in Kona, and you, so you really just need to go and validate somewhere. You don't need to worry about the points. You've already got your top 10 from Kona. How would you sort of go around structuring your season and what races would you do when you didn't have to go and chase points? I'm so so put, you, put yourself in, a, in the position of a pro. You pretty much got your points from Kona from the previous year. You've just got to, quali- you've just got to go and tick the box at an Ironman race. How would you structure your season? She's got lots of triathlon photos. Good. She's got a few shooting photos, John. Shooting like bang yep, bang. Yep, yep. That gave me the shits on Sunday. Back I tell it up. you. What happened? So we're riding along with Murray. So we start at five thirty in the morning. I got on an Sunday. email from Murray saying you had a great ride. Thank he you. He was very impressed with your ride. Nutrition yep. pacing was perfect. He said, "Good." Yep. Uh, I did have a good ride. But we're riding along. It's five thirty. It's freaking windy as hell, man. And uh, and I had this bang. Holy shit, I turned around, I thought there was going to be a car coming up crazy behind us, but it's duck shooting season over here. So this was oh, like really? 6.30 in the morning, I heard this bang when we're going past this lake. Gave me the shits. And did, uh, and, oh wow. Yeah, that was my shooting story. Okay, well, yeah. But Anna likes a bit of shooting too, does she? Well, I think it was, well, she's at a range, so I think it was probably uh, just a day out with some friends. But yeah, she's, uh, looks, and she's on the podium, so I think she did pretty well. Nice. Yeah, so there you go, Anna. Legend. Legend of the show, <laughs> legend of the show. Okay, John. So the discussion is: and she's doing some great work for Triathlon New Zealand. Is as she? Well. Yeah, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. What are we meeting about? Uh, events and stuff that I've got coming up. Let's get a bit of support from the old organisation. That's the plan. That's the plan. Okay, John. Give me a sponsor. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Let's talk about some stats. 
it's good to see Lanzarote, well, it's not good to see it last year, uh, dropped off a little bit, but the growth that it's had, so um, one of the cool things on athlinks.com, it will tell you, you know, the stats from races, providing the races up there, it'll tell you how many participants finished the race uh, year by year for, for what, however many years that they've got the, the results for. Back in 1993, they only had uh, 416 finishes at Lanzagrotti, and that's grown pretty linearly. Is that such a word? Linearly? Yeah, I get it. We know what you mean. In a linear fashion. In a linear fashion, there you go. All the way through to 2014, where they had 1,899 finishes. Last year, it uh, did dip away to 1,462, but I had a quick look this year, and it looked like they had uh, around about 1,640 athletes finish which is great. For a challenging race, uh, it's great. So it's really good to see that it's grown year on year. Um, it is a challenging course. The average time for males, I'm not sure if this is over, I think it might have been just last year, was uh, 13 hours and 10 minutes. Wow. Fem- wow, that's pretty good. Females, 13.55. Last year they I wonder had... which race... Here's a good one for you, Thorsten. Which race has the closest split between male and female on average time? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So like, if we just look at the average time of the field, which race do females perform as close to the male's average time? And maybe mm-hmm. which one has the furthest distance? Mm-hmm. What would influence that? Because in theory, everyone's, you know, it kind of should be pretty it's consistent. Around, yeah. It's usually around that hour mark, this one here. So you've got 45 minutes. But the big thing here is, you know, the, the, the count is 1,351 males versus 111 females. Mm. There ain't a lot of females. No. Top finisher last year was Alexandro Di Giuseppe. This year it was Jesse Thomas. And last year it was Diana Reisler in 9.56 and versus the males 8.56. So exactly the one hour mark. Top member last year was Sergio Marquez in 9.27. On the girls' side of things, it was Jane Hanna in 14.24. So if you do want to know, you know, the size of events, how they sort of grow, Go on to athlinks.com, check it out. If it's one of the major Ironmans, they should have all the stats up there and you can kind of see how many athletes you're up against when you go out there. And that would be, you know, for me, a fairly big factor in influencing my race choices, you know. So if, you know, so an Ironman Texas, if I know there's going to be 3,000 people on the course, I'm less motivated to go and do that race just because of the congestion when you're out there. Mm. Whereas uh, Alanza Grotti, where you got sort of more in that 1500 range and it's going to be a bit more spread out, I like the look of that. Come on, okay, guys, if you want to kind of geek out on a race, a good way to do it is go to athlinks.com and just check out some historical events and you can see the stats and kind of make some choices around your racing. So athlinks.com. John Boy, I'm going to put some music on. Good stuff. Here we go. Age Group of the Week. Do you band practice last night? Just yeah. before we get into the Age Group of the Week. Uh, we're recording in August, John. Okay. So be very excited. Good. You may, maybe the end of the show, because I imagine superstardom's yeah. just on the horizon for um, me. I'm hearing you. So, um, you know, it's been nice knowing you. Yeah. And if you want, I can get you some backstage passes. Good. Yeah, we'll look after a brother. That's yeah. how we roll, you know. Yeah. So just, you know, just be ready. Yeah. Because I see... So you're recording a single or an album? We're gonna, we've, we've got 10 songs ready. Right. Now, there's a budget, <laughs> so right. what you do is you, you hire a recording studio, yeah. and you basically for a day, and yeah. as many as you can get in. We kind of, ideally, worst case scenario, we come away with five good songs, mm-hmm. best case scenario, we record all ten. 
Right. So we'll see, but it's pretty exciting. We've got a, yeah. we've got a, because we lost our drummer, so we've got a new drummer, and he's really good, and he's a good. Because one thing with the band, John, is you've got to get a good fit and personality. Yeah. Because we tried another drummer, and he was a really good drummer. Personality didn't, didn't fit work. with our band. Yeah. You know, just gave him the boat. Just didn't fit. Well, just we had him a trial, and we responded. Right. <laughs> so, and then this new guy, a guy called Chris, good guy. Great drummer. Pretty cutthroat, this band industry. Oh, mate. You mate, you don't You're out of here. If you want to be a superstar, yeah. you know, you can't muck, muck around with the plebs. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, Emily, in all honesty, this is just good fun. And, you know, we do want to record and we do want to see what we can do with it. But, if it, you know, you spend quite a bit of time with band members. And if mm. you've got a person who doesn't fit personality within you, mm. your dynamic, it's like, oh, I don't want to spend, you know. That's fine. Yeah, Hope so. he doesn't listen to the show. No. no. He wasn't a bad person. It just wasn't a good fit. Okay. You know, you fit right. But anyway, this person is a great fit. We got an email from Mount Snow a while ago. So, boys, thank you very much for last weekend. Most enjoyable, as promised, and this was just after the Ironman Talk 10-year anniversary weekend, a team nomination for the Terminator for Age Group of the Week. Now, on the show, you would have heard this at the time. The Mount Snow mm-hmm. got up and did the talk that we put on the show. Uh, and he did some research, and uh, yeah, and so he's given us some bullet points. It's a long one. I put some bullet points in, but that doesn't seem to have made it any shorter. So, <laughs> John and I are going to go one for one. So, John, do you want to go first? Yep. So, Melina, you know, it's really highlighting what Melina's done as outside of, as an age grouper. So, he was instrumental in setting up the Wheatbix Triathlon series here with Erin, uh, which is basically our kids' series that it goes through the country and there's races all over the place, and they get thousands of kids rocking up to this it's absolutely fantastic it's iconic in New Zealand yeah. isn't it and it's uh, got from Joe Blow to Debbie Tanner who was one of our New Zealand Olympians who regularly talks about it being their starting point in the sport okay the week before I am talked birthday anniversary Scott was out there doing the sea to sky challenge he was third in the age group of 40 to 59 with two guys over 10 years his junior beating him and that was who were they uh uh, was it the Philinator? Yeah, I think it was the Philinator, wasn't it? What did he say to the Philinator? Because he he had to try. He tried to beat the Philinator coming off the hill. Uh, he, the Philinator only passed him right at the end, and it, and he and he said if he if he'd known if he'd known the Philinator was that close to him coming off the bike, he he had somewhere that he would have gone mental to try to hang on. Nice. And who uh, who was the other one who beat him? I think Probably Ian Wood. Yeah, it was Ian Wood. Yeah, it was too. Mm. Um, if the race director wasn't so tight and held proper age groups, <laughs> it would have been that he won his age group of Because Melina was in the 40 to 59 age group, which is a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty broad. broad yeah. The problem is when you're organising races, if you do, A, you know, so I had, I'm not, not trying to defend myself. All I'm hearing is excuses. You had, you have, all these bloody age groups, man, those prize givings go forever. And I had a tro- I, I spent over three grand on trophies alone. Yeah. And um, do you know I'll, what? I work on get it. Get me to do your prize giving because I don't muck around. Yeah. When I do a prize giving, get up, get off. Yeah. You've had your minute, where I'll, you go. You've I'll had your five seconds. Uh, so Scott also worked with myself and Gordon on Epic Camps from the get go, giving elite training experiences to top age groupers despite his body not always agreeing with him, put himself on the line at every camp. On one camp in New Zealand, he was only around for um, the workouts and then he'd disappear. And this is what I was telling the mountain snail. Turned out this, uh, it was a New Zealand camp. He was 
crook as a dog. Oh, really? And yet he was just getting out there, doing the training every day, not saying a word about it, uh, battling, battling, battling through every day, and then just going and crawling up in a corner and um, and not, not being up. seen, but still showed up. Didn't complain, didn't say anything to anybody. So really just gets on with it, no complaining. Although he's a Kiwi now, he still hasn't worked out which side of the road he wants to become or ride on to become less competitive. Uh, in Epic Camp Canada, we had an Equathon and Whistler athletes her an ambitious smash I heard I heard well it does say her heard an ambitious a mighty smash when he forgot which side of the path he should be on when he on coming when he came around on blue sorry let me me go because I I told this story he he was doing an aquathon I'm running along I was in the lead and we were doing these out and backs on a little track and I just heard the smash and I thought I don't know what that was. And it was two bodies smashing each to oh. other. And it was Melina coming around a corner, running on the wrong side of the pavement, and just went head first into whoever was coming second, coming the other way. And so that was day... Did that take them day, out? They, they get, got going. They both had a few little grazes. But uh, again, no complaints. He just got on. But he does need to remember which side of the road to be on. Okay, Gordo wanted to bring up the red light incident on the road between Glenwood Springs and Aspen. Scott blazed a red light in front of a blurry looking bike dude. I stopped, go yell at, uh, go yelled at the biker and had to solo Aspen. All of this pulling up the group from Valley to Glenwood. But it's nothing compared to Pamela Anderson's scale of muscle soreness he invented the early days of Epic Camp. Yeah, so this this was an interesting one. So Scott has got the Pamela Anderson scale for muscle soreness. <laughs> because do, do we want to go? Yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> he said uh, after Zoffingen Powerman when he won, and this is when Zoffingen Powerman used to be big money, and Scott won it one year. They were, he was on the second floor of a hotel with only stairs to get down for breakfast. And after breakfast, I told Aaron that I'm done moving for the day. <laughs> uh, we were supposed to walk 400 meters to the train station and take a train for a scene tour around Interlaken to be tourists for the day but I said I was too sore I went back to bed for the day only to get up for another beer and a couple of ibuprofen a few times so the Pamela Anderson scale okay, uh, this is, describes this is the level of muscle soreness Gordo and I were trying to figure out in a way to convey a measurable <laughs> level of soreness so a person could actually understand how sore another person is as you know, when someone says, I'm very sore, well, what exactly does that mean? So I thought, for males anyway... Well, well let's, let's say Pamela Anderson or Ryan Gosling. Yes, okay. So, so we're not sexist on the show. Yeah. If Pamela is to walk into the room with a very determined, horny look on her face, <laughs> and she said she wanted you, but you were sore from training, if you were on the, the scale of 1 to 4, on a 1 to 10 scale, you'd probably say, Pam, all my dreams have come true. <laughs> I've died and gone to heaven. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get it happening. If you're on a five to six level of soreness, you'd hesitate for a moment trying to figure out what the hell you could actually do and then say, oh, yeah. Okay, Pam, my angelic fantasy, but please go easy on me because I'm pretty sore. Nice. So, so you're still up for the, the, you're the challenge. You're still up yeah. for the challenge. If you're on the level of a seven to eight, you'd cry out loud, loud in anguish. Ah! Any other day, I'd kill someone to be close to you. But Pam, I'm very sore, so I think I'll only be able to handle a something, if that's okay. (laughs) But please don't touch my legs. If you're a nine plus, then prior to Pam arriving, you would have said to yourself that 
if you and when you have to take a piss, you're going to piss <laughs> yourself right there in bed, even if it's your own bed. You'd weep and <clears throat> you'd weep the weep of a man in the depths of despair, like a man or a woman who yep. knows he had the winning lotto ticket but lost it in the laundry. And you'd whimper to Pam. Alas, my dream girl, I'm too sore to even look at you right now. I couldn't possibly do my fantasy justice. Please, please go away so I can wallow in my pitiful, annihilated state. Oh, there you go. So there's the Pam Anderson or the Ryan Gosling scale. So oh, maybe if you had a hard race, give us a, give us a scale number. Yes. So there you go. What does really a nine mean? Uh, as we saw on your 10-year anniversary anniversary weekend, Scott is almost always happy to just being a part of any group in any sort of camp. He loves sharing his experience and his hilarious stories and is constantly helping John with his peas on Legends interviews, none more so with Colin, Colleen Cannon. Yeah, that's the, the, the one, one we didn't get done. just lost. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the one True about it, eh? like because you know the guy's a legend. God, yeah. And so he was off there last week or the week before doing support crew over for someone over at uh, Ultraman. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and I saw a post for the person who I think he was supporting doing support crew. And Scott had it sounded like this guy was on the side of the road, hunched over his handlebars, not really wanting to move anywhere. Oh, really? And Scott gave him some uh, inspirational words to actually get moving. What it was, it was, it was. One of the things Scott always so like says... Pam is coming. <laughs> yeah, Pam's coming. What level of soreness have you got? Yeah. It ain't a nine. Get, yeah. it, get going. It ain't a nine. Keep moving. Yeah. But one of the things Scott often says to people as well is, you know, always race your last Ironman like it's going to be... It could be your last one. You never know when yeah. you might stop um, for whatever reason, you know, whether it be injury, family reasons or whatever you know you never know um when it's when it might be your last one so race every iron man like it's going to be your last one well and i think there are some real key points just to kind of give scott some love and i know we give him a lot of love on the show but it's deserved um you know legendary pro being mm. a very successful age grouper so he's kept mm -hmm. it up throughout the years and, and of the guys of his time he's probably the only one or oh, dave scott but dave scott really doesn't race a lot because he tends to get injured doesn't he yeah you know so scott's kind of of those guys is the only one who's really kept at it and of a high level, because he's still mm. had some age group placings in the worlds and stuff like mm -hmm. that over the years. Yeah. Um, but as Mountain Sales know, it's his accessibility, which is really cool. Like, he's kind of, you know, he's accessible to everyone. He's a great storyteller. Mm. He's got, and he's just, you know, he's just kind of a cool person. So, mm. yep, Scott Molina, you're our age, age group, group of the week. week. You've made it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all the accolades, you've made it. Okay, three, two, one. Stats fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, Peter Colson sent this one through, and he sent through another one uh, around you asking questions about the, the swimming. We'll do that either next week or the week after. Ask? About the slowest swimmer to win Kona. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, it's a quick stat this week. Only 20 men have ever won Kona. What year was the first one? Was it 70? 78 it? was the first. Was that the first Ironman, or was that... Uh, Let me have a look. Yes, you check it out. Only 20 men have ever won Kona. It's been a lot more than 20 years. Nine men have won it more than once. But only how many won it more than, more than twice? Crowey? Uh, Crowey. Peter Dave Reed? Scott, Peter Reed, yes, he won it three times. But he didn't um, win it consistently, he didn't do a back-to-back. -back. Mark, you got Mark Allen? Mark Allen. And maybe uh, Daboom, did he win two or three? No, he only won two. Two. And Norman Stadler only won two. Macca won two. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's only, th only four guys have won it more than twice. Yeah. 78, I think it was first year. Yeah, 78. Yeah, but in, in 82, we had two wins. We had two races. Right. So so it's been going for nearly 30 years. Mm. Hmm. 
20 men have ever won it. There you go. There you go. That's our stat for this week. Okay. Um, do you want music? Yeah, give us some music. Okay, here's the music. Coaches Corner. Bit of dramatic music for you there, John. It's like yes. a night, nightclub, but dance party. Nice. When was the last time we went out dancing? Might be going out this weekend. Back it up. 40th. Uh, we've got a 40-40-40 party this weekend. Who's, who's doing 40-40-40? Good mate of mine, Caleb Ballon, and his twin brother. They're both turning 40. And then their best mate, Ben Quain. We all went to primary school. We went to kindy primary school and went to And you still keep those mates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, where you going? Where's, where's the party? Where's the party? Some, some surf club where, we, where, we, where we finished our oh, long yeah. run on the Iron Talk weekend. So, so are, you, are you going to get messy? <clears throat> Well, I won't go cray cray messy. Cray cray, but I'll, it'll be. I've, I've allocated Sunday as a day off. Oh, that nice. way. it's a prep. Nice. Mm. But this one uh, came through from Tom Davis. Okay, uh, the question, question is. Oh, oh, okay, uh, I have a question about heart rate settings and training zones, specifically for running. I've read a few specific tra- running books that suggest using a combination of maximum and resting heart rate to establish your heart rate zone reserves. Uh, and then using various percentages of this for training zones. However, I've also heard Joe Farrell advocating doing a specific 30-minute time trial session to find your threshold heart rate and threshold training paces, and then using the specific intensities. Any advice on which you have found to be the most effective would be much appreciated. Uh, as a full-time medical student, I want to make sure I'm setting the right intensities for my training sessions and not working myself too hard. I've also found running a harder area uh, to set plans for than in cycling and swimming. So, uh, thanks for the fantastic podcast and congratulations on 10 years of great work. So the question is, how do you, what's the best way to set your zones? I used to swim with a guy called Tom Davis. He used to... Yeah, he, Tom Davis, he was a cyclist, wasn't he? No, swimmer. Swimmer. Oh. Yeah, he went, to, he went to Commonwealth Games, I think. He's one of those kids who, when I was swimming, I was way better than him. And then oh, really? you give up swimming and all of a sudden these kids just go, whoo! I used to, we used to do... Did you give up too young? No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't even going to make it. Mm. Uh, I used to, used to do superstars of wrestling on him and the... Uh, oh, nice, <laughs> nice. And he turns out to be the six foot bloody guy and I used to, me and uh, another guy, used to, he used to be our, our, our person would do the superstars of wrestling on. <laughs> anyway, um, one thing I'd say, Tom, and I'd say this uh, fairly universally, I, my advice around running and in terms of doing your intensity is you're actually better off using uh, pace rather than heart rate by and large. Different story on the bike, um, but in, in running, I think you find it more effective to use pace, but heart rate still has its place and it can really help you a lot in terms of measuring your efficiency. But your question does relate to heart rate, so but we'll answer the pace, that. Would you what, go for VDOT? Like, what would you say to set your zones? Yeah, so it's basically uh, figuring out your 10K time and then using the Jack Daniels formula then to, to work out your different paces and what's sort of realistic for you for the for the different distances. And for those who don't know what the VDOT is, Jack Daniels is one of the world's top running kind of thinkers and coaches and uh, he created this formula that basically says if you run this pace in theory now it, you need to be kind of peaked to get it and you mm. need to be kind of conditioned but um, in theory then different you know your half marathon pace is going to be this your marathon your 5k 10k and so on and so then you can set your pacing or your you know the different kind of sessions you're going to do based on the paces based on your VDOT yeah it's really great for working out what is a realistic time for your marathon yeah. uh, if you've got a, a good half marathon or a 10k and you can even do it based on just a 5k time trial yeah you know you do 
but you need to train specifically for that particular mm. event. But anyway, um, so I would advise most of you, if you're doing run training, is generally use uh, get a Garmin or another GPS watch and, and use that. And I've done uh, segments on that in the past around how to set your, your run zones based off times. But heart rate is still really good, and that's what we want to try to cover today. So you're sort of asking around this, um, I think you've got to use quite a few different measures to actually figure out your zones. Um, it's a bit like trying to set up your FTP on the bike. You can, just one test is going to give you a starting point, and then you kind of kind of extrapolate that out a bit more to actually refine your zones. So, what I would suggest you do is first up is try to do a maximum heart rate test, but you need to be you know, a reasonably fit shape to, to, to do that and you need to have had a little bit of intensity in your training so you, you actually are properly prepared for it. And the way you do a maximum heart rate test, or that I get people to do it, is you get yourself really well warmed up and not necessarily doing it early in the run so you're fresh, you know, you might go out for, I don't know, 30 minutes or so of warming up and doing a few hills and stuff. And then you basically do a five minute progressive test where you start at a, a, a sort of a firmish pace and each minute you get progressively faster and then the, the very end of that sort of five minute test you'll have some sort of incline where you can absolutely uh, just go ballistic and sprint up a, an incline and hopefully get yourself a maximum reading. And to, 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 to try to get your maximum heart rate you do need to basically be all out, yeah. heaving, ready to vomit, uh, otherwise you're just not going to get the right number. So that sort of can give you a starting point and then you can work out some zones based off that and I'll go through that in a moment. But then you need to sort of help validate that to make sure that you have actually got close to your maximum by going and maybe doing a 5k, 5 or 10k race uh, and, and doing that as a really strong effort, not going out too hard, finishing really strongly, having a look at your heart rate data from that and then using that in conjunction with your maximum heart rate test to set your zones. And then if you're going to do some, in terms of your zones, I use uh, seven zones um, and they sort of fall in line with, with training peaks and things like that. Uh, your, your, your easy, very easy cruising zone is usually around about 50 beats um, plus below your maximum heart rate. Uh, zone two, which I call steady, is usually around 35 to 50 beats below your maximum. Moderately hard is 25 to 35 beats below your maximum. Hard, which is kind of your, your anaerobic thresholdy type pace, is sort of 15 to up to 25 beats below. Very hard, which is say your 3 to 5k pace, is sort of 5 to 15 beats below your maximum. And then fast basically is at your maximum and very fast is, uh, is zone 7. You don't really use heart rate for that. That's more sort of you know sprinting and what have you. Uh, so yeah, get your maximum heart rate, work your zones based off those numbers I've just sort of given you, have a look, do a 5 or 10k race and you should be in your very hard zones for those and then um, if you're looking at doing some Ironman racing then uh, you want to be measuring your efficiency and this is where heart rate can be really useful, so you might go out for a long run Say you're doing a, if you're training for a marathon, you might go out for a two and a half hour run, and then in the the, the second half of that run, you might run 15k at say your predicted Ironman pace, and this is where you start to look at whether your heart rate can actually stay stable or not, and that's going to measure whether you're very efficient with your running. So if your heart rate um, starts to really spiral out of control, it means you've still got quite a bit of work to do around your Ironman pace. If you're able to keep it nice and flat, then you're it's probably a good predictor that you should be able to maintain. 
maintain that when you go out and uh, and do your racing. You can also do some lab testing, and that's a really good way to um, find your sort of maximum levels because you do find if you're in that lab environment and you've got uh, someone standing over you, you're more likely to, to go ballistic and reach a really, really high level that you might not do if you were just out for a run by yourself. And um, the final point is, I think your question was around marathon training, not necessarily Ironman, but I generally say to people, if you're doing an Ironman <coughs> and you're trying to figure out how to pace yourself through the run, heart rate can sometimes get a little bit screwed up once you're, you know, six, seven, eight, nine hours into a race. Um, heart rate's probably not your most reliable method of pacing yourself. Again, I think you're much better off working off uh, a GPS and, uh, and working off pace rather than heart rate. Mm. So I guess main main points are don't just do one test in isolation and um, set your zones off that. Maybe do a maximum heart rate test, get your numbers from that and set your zones. If you've got training peaks or, or, or there's lots of other tools you can use online and that'll set your zones based off maximum heart rate, but then go and do a five and ten five or ten K race and sort of check to see that your heart rates you get out of that match up to the zones that you've set based off maximum heart rate. Good times. Good times. Although, do think about doing pacing. Mm. Oh yeah, I absolutely think you. You know, and the, we, we we're going to interview. Um, actually, I'll have to line that up with uh, Jim Vance talking about the power pa- the power yeah. um, power meter for for running. But you know, so, yeah, I'm curious about that because I'm. I'm struggling with it a bit as well. Yeah, I'm not sure technology yet. I just think pace is reliable enough. You just all you got to do with pace is factor in the wind, and if if it's calm, flat day, then your pace both directions is going to be very similar. Mm. Power, even if you have the the slightest of wind, it makes a significant difference. But with running, so you just got to factor in. Okay, there's a little bit of wind here. I might be five seconds per k quicker one way than the other way. Um, (laughs) But I. pace on the runners unless it's a really hilly course is, is absolute gold and when we think about the tools it's more accurate than heart rate because heart rate monitors can be a bit all over the place whereas the pacing it's yeah. going to be pretty good and it takes you know it takes a long time for your heart rate to to respond um in terms of you know so for example i was doing uh, some hill climbing at the weekend and you know when you're going up a i was doing a hill climb so it was 20 uh about 20 minutes long Heart rate at the bottom, you know, uh, and this is keeping an, an even power output all the way up the climb. Heart rate at the bottom is, say, 140. By the time I get to the top, doing the same power output all the way through, is 150, mm. you know. So, but if I <coughs> tried to go, on, go at 150 from the bottom, then my power's going to be, you yeah, know, through the place. roof. Yeah. <clears throat> and then by the time I get to the top, my power's going to be significantly lower. So, yeah, I do think for running, pace uh, GPS is much better than heart rate. But heart rate can still tell you a lot. It's a really valuable tool, but not the best for pacing. Okay, my first try. Scott Connolly set one through. And you'll, you'll do, you've trained the audience, John, because bullet points nice. are very popular. I'm loving it, Scott. Good work. And we'll go one for one. So uh, first of all, got to the race four hours early because I was that nervous. It was a 12 p.m. race, so we got there at eight in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Put your wetsuit on backwards. Wow. <laughs> Initially until a friend told me otherwise. So we had to zip up the front. Yeah. Oh, that's but that's how you, wetsuits, uh, diving wetsuits uh, are up the front. So fair enough mistake. Yeah, and if you don't know anything about it. Yeah. Took nearly 30 minutes to swim 1K and almost drowned. Had a small puke coming out of the water. Nice. Took forever in T1 and it was a w- already last in the age group. Uh, an uneventful bike and run. But then 
Thought I was a legend after the race. Didn't read the results correctly. After I saw I was 14th out of 24 and told people accordingly, but apparently that was just my run. And I was actually last in my age group. Uh, have improved since then. I've now done an 8.38, oh, sorry, a 9.38 Ironman. Solid. Sharp now. Going from last to being an 8, 9.38. Very yeah. solid. So Scott Connolly, nice work. Nice work on your first try. Okay, Jombo sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Last weekend, we had Ultraman Australia. Yes, and Arnold took it out. I saw a photo on Facebook. I'm looking very dramatic. Arnold sort of off, took it off. <coughs> Popped me a note during the week and said that during Ultraman was his first experience with Extreme Endurance. And he said he was extremely surprised uh, in terms of his recovery and freshness. You know, He was expecting to have the... Pamela Anderson scale nine. Oh, really? Muscle soreness, I would imagine. Yep. Uh, or Ryan Gosling. <coughs> we, maybe we'll alternate between Ryan and Pam. That's very, you know, very uh, politically correct well, of you. Yeah, yeah. And what is a very unpolitically correct statement. <laughs> uh, excuse me. <coughs> so basically, I oh know, when did Ultraman? Crushed it, won it in his first ever one. And yeah, he's a very experienced athlete in terms of knowing how sore you do get after races. First experience with extreme endurance. Came away from it with very positive things to say in terms of enhancing his recovery. So if you are doing, say, a, a triple T or a, um, you know adventure racing, if you're trying something a little bit different, which is going to require you to back up day after day, Epic Camp, for example, people are already emailing me through going, just checking we're going to have some uh, extreme endurance when we're on camp. And uh, it is vital for, for getting through camps and stuff. So if you've got anything like that, uh, go check it out, xendurance.com. Remember, use the promo code IMTalk. Uh, I am talk 10 that's on the .com or the .co.uk or the uh, .eu sites it should all be valid on there so use promo code get 10% off and get yourself some good deals good times xendurance.com guys 10% off I am talk 10 okay guys questions and answers first one comes from Nick Brewer Uh, cramping message okay hey guys long time listener first time emailer Nice word. Question about cramping after taking John's advice on the 12 year plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was John's times four. Yeah. Um, I am training for my first Ironman in Ironman Kens in June. Lately, during the swim training, I have started cramping in my quads near the end of the session. I cannot work out why, and I'm nervous about this happening during the race. Can you shed some light on why this may be and maybe ways that I can overcome it? Good stuff, Nick. Race is coming up in a few weeks' time. So, uh, Asia yeah. Pacific Championships. Game on. Yeah. So, look, I th- um, there could be a co- combination of things going on here. I would be surprised if it's something from your swimming that's actually causing the cramp uh, in terms of a, a technique aspect, unless you've got some crazy leg spread going on or something going on. So, I would suggest more likely you're better off uh, potentially looking at your bike setup, seeing if you're positioned well there. So, go and seeing a really good tri specific um, bike fitter. Now, might be a little bit late in the piece for, for doing that. So, that could, could be one. Um, example but I think more than likely it's a result from just general muscular fatigue so the holy hammer actually said to me uh it was on Is Friday he, his quad, didn't he? he was he was cramping he, he was cramping up in the pool on Friday uh and his calves and I and he said oh, I was wondering about my nutrition if I had enough magnesium I said look 
he's he's following um, the same program that I'm doing at the moment, and we're doing some very intense uh, bike workouts. And I said almost guaranteed it'll be a result from from doing that. And and your calves are really working a lot harder in those intense sessions. So I would say more likely than not, it's muscular fatigue, and you're going into your swims. You know, maybe having done a, a long ride or a, or a hard run. You know, the evening before a swim, and it's just your body's uh, response is rebelling against that. Uh, potentially could be a little bit diet related we've heard about that on the show before you know the guys that are following low carb diets need to really uh, up their sodium intake um, but I think probably muscular fatigue so my suggestion would be if you've got time to do this, you know, do a bit of a, a simulation session where you're actually going to be rested for a couple of days leading into a swim. So it might be, you know, you have an easy day, really easy light day on Thursday, take a day off Friday and then go Saturday and go do a 4K continuous simulation Ironman effort swim and see how you're going just when you're a little bit more rested, um, as I said, and make sure you taper well going into Ken's to make sure that you, you know, you don't have any um, deep fatigue in the legs. If you do that, I think you'll be away laughing. What happens if in the race it happens? What do you do? Uh, Especially in the swim. Yeah. So I've, I had uh, the, the year we did, what year was it? The first time we did Taupo together and yep. we both raced really well. 2006. <clears throat> I had a major calf cramp late in the swim and was crapping myself. Yeah, because you can uh, often tear it. You know, yeah. yeah. That could be a problem. <clears throat> so there's no easy answer. If it's a calf one, you know, just try bringing your calves forward and back, um, a little bit of massage. There's not but yeah, there's not a great deal you can do. Um, you just got to kind of get over it and then I'd be suggesting you take the, the start of the bike pretty gingerly and just try to ease into it and just try to loosen it off. But um, Good yeah, warm it does up. stick with you. Yeah, nice gentle, nice gentle jog warm up. Obviously, you can't the, the swim side of things. You can't do a huge amount of swim warm up. So I think it's more a case of making sure you get your taper right and um, and being really well rested going into the race. I also think with it is just <coughs> again just take the swim easy. Mm. You know, it's your first time, man. You know, it's <coughs> like just get through the swim. You've got a long day out there. Just take it nice and easy. And um, if you are concerned, it's going to be a problem. Position yourself where you can pull out. Of mm. the pack, so because if you're in the middle of a pack and you start cramping, you got people around you. It's going to be a shit fight to get out of there. Whereas if you're kind of a bit to the side of the packs, and that that could be a problem, then you can actually just pull aside and. The, the quad cramping is is a bit more tricky, but if it's calf cramping, that's really a case of just making sure you're flexing your feet forward yeah. and back. Get yourself a part of your race plan every 500 meters or something like that. Make sure you flex your feet forward and back several times. You feel like you're putting bloody sandbags out, and you're about to stop. But that just takes the stress off your calves because you've got to remember that you know in the pool you're constantly doing turns. When you're swimming, your feet are in that um, unnatural position, pointing your toes backwards, and uh, that does put a lot of pressure on your calves. So flexing those feet forward and back is critical. Okay, good times. Uh, next question we've got here. I hope all is well with I am Talk. 10 year anniversary is going off well. Just quickly, and who's this by? This, this, this was one from Tim oh, Hemming, so you probably don't need to read the whole thing out. Basically, he, what Tim has done is he's, he's, he's written a very, very good piece for tri, uh, 220triathlon.com, and I'll put a link to it on www.iamtalk.me. And basically, just talking about kind of depression within the sport. Mm. Um, and he just said he wrote this piece. Uh, it's quite an honest piece from Tim. Mm. And he just said the response has been overwhelming. It came out a few weeks ago now, but um, from people people I both know and don't know and after deciding to publish it it's given me feedback and a great sense of trying to publish it wider so um, it it's kind of addresses probably one of the the elephants in the room of our sport really isn't it because when we think about well, our it's sport, not just in sports uh, yeah but I think in our sport in some ways 
the depression aspect gets suppressed because when you're good at exercise, people think you're healthy. Mm. You know what I mean? And and in some ways, it's actually interesting. I was talking to a person yesterday and a friend of theirs is going through depression mm. and the only outlet they have is exercise, but now they're just exercising to a point which is kind of unhealthy and obsessive. Mm. Um and so the and and because one thing you find with a lot of depression is people who isolate themselves, mm-hmm. and in a sport where you can create isolation in your life, mm. depression can be it can emphasise that it will be emphasised there, and it's you know it's actually I think there are probably a lot of people in our sport who suffer a little bit of depression, but because we do activity, people think we're fine, mm. and you know having these kind of discussions and Tim writing this piece, which is a great piece, Tim. So we'll put a, piece, a link to it on www.talk.me. You know, it allows these discussions to be open. And, and Tim kind of talks about this in this piece, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm racing, but there are struggles for me without that. And actually me learning to get through this is not necessarily always about doing sport. And, uh, yeah, so it's a good piece. And it's got a link. In most countries, if you, if you are out there and you have been, and there are a lot of triathletes, as you said, that are struggling with it, most national nations have pretty good resources in terms of getting some help so he's put a link on there for mind.org.uk um where it's probably got a bunch of resources is it it the one john kewin's always in yeah um mental health something something like that so there is there is resources out there so if you are battling with it um go out there and, and get some help well i just think one other thing with it is that um Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm going in my mind. I could have gone down a deep hole, John. Okay, but I'm not going to. But guys, if you are, just one thing is, if you do feel this is something you, it's depression.org.nz, and that's actually yeah. a really great website. Um, it's a good domain name as well in terms of actually going. Wonder where, what's, I, what's I, where I should go. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, just you know, it's don't do it alone. You know, mm. and I think that's the thing is that often when we're in this place, like I, when I was younger, I had a moment where I experienced a little bit of depression. And it was always that thing of, if it stays like this, I'll address it later. Yeah. You're hoping it wouldn't get worse. And actually what you need to do is, if I feel this way, I need to look for support now. And that's often mm. the way through. So you check, you know, look look out for Tim's piece, but also, you know, get support. Ross, give a little, or give a, give a lot little. Give a lot little. He sent through an email. It was just bringing us uh, our attention to a lady called Audrey McIntosh, who's an ultra runner in her 50s. Yes, I checked before writing that, that I can say it, but she even has it on her website and is attempting the global odyssey, which involves doing a 50k ultra marathon for seven days in a row in seven da- in seven continents. So you can check it out, audreymackintosh.co.uk. She's raising money for Alzheimer's Scotland, um, but that looks like a pretty epic challenge. And, and also, she should be on the Extreme Endurance. And we got sent through a link to... Um, who give a little page or just give giving page and I'll put that on dubbom talk to me she's trying to raise 50,000 pounds and she's currently at 20,000 pounds so she's doing a pretty good effort nice so um, keep up the good work Audrey um, Jombo you want to give an update on your training people asking me about my training what's what happening with the training John yep, you don't so. do the website anymore do you no I don't yeah still up there the, the 2014 did you, you revisit that sorry no no. <laughs> no, it's just whether or not I whether or not I keep that website up there for if you want some training workouts you can go and check it out and look at my build up for for Kona in twenty four. When's the next time in your life? Mm, don't know, don't know, not anytime soon. Okay. Anyway, getting ready for Epic Camp France. People have been pinging me, and, and I remember um, good old Rob from Oxygen Attic. You know, he was yeah. commenting on a few of my workouts. So here's what I'm doing to get ready for Epic Camp France at the moment. I have got to say. This week is a recovery week, and I'm pretty happy about it because my legs are getting a little bit tired. So how many more weeks have you got? Five. And do you treat it like you're peaking? 
Do yeah. You, so you have a taper yeah, leading I'll be, into I'll it? I'm tapering leading. It's, okay. it's my event for the year. Okay. So Monday, go for a long run, do a bit of tempo work. So not, not crazy. What, what, what do you do tempo? What kind of? So for me, tempo work is sort of... A, Sort of a little bit under about half Ironman pace or a little bit, yep. a little bit quicker. So not, so not crazy, not crazy, not crazy. Yep. Because then on Tuesdays I have my bunch ride, which I need to be semi fresh for. And how far, how long you're riding for in the bunch? Because they're normally about, about three hours. Okay. Yeah, nice. No, so it's a bit, a bit shorter these days thanks to the earthquakes. And with that, we have a bit of a cruise out for thirty odd k's. Punch a six, sort of five to six minute hill as hard as you can. Roll over the top, and then you have uh, one, two. Just kind of roll three, three, three very hard climbs. Uh, again, probably uh, maybe three or four minutes long. So that's pretty much you know four very hard hill climbs. Wednesday, go swing for 4K and plus to do some core work. And then Thursday is my real gut buster session on the trainer. I'm currently doing that on the the rev box. So I'm doing uh, ten by uh, alternating weeks. One week I'll do 10, 10 by one minutes at 140 percent of FTP, which is extremely difficult so for me that's uh, i think it was trying to hit 414 watts for for a minute and that's just about <laughs> ripping my legs it. off yeah. and then i have three, minutes, three ten of those ten of those Oof. with uh so it's one minute on three minutes recovery and, and recovery is spinning or totally stop uh it's just what very soft soft pedaling yeah. <laughs> very soft pedaling and then on the alternate weeks i do my reps of two minutes 20 and that was based off the t-max stuff that I've talked about on the show in the past and that's around about 130 to 135% of FTP uh, had a pretty good failure on that last week so I do 2 minutes 20 on 5 minutes recovery and what 10 sets again? Uh, no that's only 6 to 7 to 8 and so, so what's the objective of that session? Because that's kind of real top end stuff. So real top, just to, trying to, so you know, and, and Rob from Oxygen Addicts sort of talked about this last week. You know, you can he he talked about doing sweet spot stuff, trying to sort of push your FTP up a little mm. bit, whereas this is sort of going from the other end where you're trying to to pull your 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 FTP up and also do some good muscular damage. So you bounce back, repair, come back uh, stronger. Also and good heart rate stuff. I mean, good for you know, it's kind of like hits training, isn't it? Yep, and. It's also for me mental conditioning as well. You know, yep. just going nuts and having to keep going nuts when you're and when you're on epic camp, it is a bit more like a cycle race. So you're going to have all these surges and stuff, which I imagine this kind of training would help for. Yep. Friday, swim 3k uh, and do a run with some leg speed. So a lot of my running at the moment, because we're training for Epic Camp France, which is primarily bike based. It's uh, the running is really just about general endurance and having a little bit of leg speed. And then hoping for the best when you get to the camp because once you get into a fatigue state, you kind of and the not running, running at hot you, top end. You often have a couple of races, but otherwise the running's just get running, just running, guards, running. just yeah. get it done. Saturday, get up at five thirty, uh, and I get up at five, head out for an hour run, five thirty to six thirty, and then jump straight on my bike for a uh, for, for just a steady session, and again do a little bit of gentle tempo work. And that's an hour on the bike. Hour on the bike, hour run, and then Sundays uh, that's our key session for the week. So for example, yesterday did five and a Oh, no, Sunday did five and a half hours with three climbs of around 25 to 30 minutes and all of those are pretty close to sort of FTP so really working those climbs pretty hard so at the moment doing 14 to 15 hours a week getting ready for camp five weeks to go Good times. And Murray, Murray, Murray sent you a special email, did he? Yeah, he did send me a special email. He's, he's, quite, he's quite positive old Muzz. I like that about him. Yeah. Because he's just he's just giving me an update. He gave me an update on your ride. And uh, let, me, let me pull up. You're the patron and I'll do the pull Murray so up. We have one patron uh, come on board this week. Mike Thomas, the man of many faces. Nice. Why is that? 
Where that it must have given that one to him in the past. And Mike's from Brighton in Victoria, Australia, on athletics. He's done 25 races, 866 miles of racing. Did Ironman Asia Pacific when we had the last one, 2015. Went 10:43, nice work, which was his best Ironman time. Yeah. And then the from previous year he went 10:03, so he went 20 minutes quicker. Nice work, Mike. If you guys want to join up, become patrons of the show, go to imtalk.me, get a nickname, get a bit of love on the show, go on the draw for coming, joining us in Kona in 2018, and just make sure that we keep doing the work that we do. Okay, so Muzzer said, basically, Bev's big ups to Johnny. He nailed it today. Most impressively. <laughs> oh, Murray, yep. He was that. focused on nutrition and hydration and with an average temperature of 6 degrees Celsius, which is bloody cold, for the duration of the 5.40 ride, he wasn't at risk of overheating like three weeks ago, which enabled him to execute to perfection. Jeez, mate, you guys... It was a bit of a... a circle uh, jerk, yeah. <laughs> uh, I strained my left quad last Sunday uh, doing high-power <coughs> intervals, so he disappeared out of sight on Gibby's Coopers. Ask him if he set a personal record. Did you? Uh, we did have favourable conditions for setting personal records, but the thing, and, and I did set good so times wait, on you them. you didn't? And I did on all the climbs. The stupid Strava, people put the, po- the finish points in the wrong places. Oh. And so, you, so you're like, you finish one of the main climbs, and I, I'm on my handlebars, pretty much empty the tank. And then you go back and look at Strava, and some tools put the finish point like 400 metres up the road. And so uh. my time is like three minutes off what I actually did. Uh. So I didn't get to do the dick measuring that I really uh. wanted to do. Because no, you were a long time Super John that day, yeah. I tell you. <laughs> Okay, Jombo. So good times. Okay, Jombo sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And our patrons. And, uh, you want to become a patron? You know you want to, even if you're not. Bevan's got something very exciting to show me because Joe came past and said, well, I want to hear your boss first. Have you shown him the photos? And yeah. I'm like, no, what yeah. are you talking Some about? People, I've, I've got comments, John. I've got comments yeah. on, from even from a listener. Okay. So, John, you, you, what have you been doing? Tell me your boss. I'm just, uh, so I've got this exam coming up as well. So an exam for the week before I go to France. Oh. Got to get ready for France. I, I, I upped the ante this year. Are you busy, year. John? I'm not busy. No, I'm not busy at all. I've just got to be organised. <laughs> so, so tell me about yeah, have, you, have you used Vistaprint before? For like printing cards and stuff? Yeah. I don't think we have, no. I've never met a company. Great service uh, and you can do stuff worldwide. But. They try to just sell you everything under the sun when you're trying to get to the bloody shopping cart. Oh, GoDaddy's go like that. GoDaddy's yeah. the worst oh for it. Oh, my God. They try to upgrade you on the paper. They yeah. try to upgrade you. by, And they almost got me on the mouse pads. Oh, really? What, you got to do the mouse pad picture of your kids? They look quite good. <laughs> what was the mouse pad looking well, like? Because I was doing these maps for Epic Camp, and I've got these nice printer maps for, for France, and they're, and, and they're all looking really good. And I've got some great templates. So if you ever want to make a brochure or anything like that, and you've got no design skills, go to a place like that, and, and then I'm not getting anything from that. Uh, really cool. Made my maps yep. look a whole lot better. Other than this, that was my exciting thing of last week. Doing, but did you end up buying the, the mouse? No, but I was very close. Who uses mouse pads nowadays? Uh, I used to use a mouse pad oh, on one side, but I've got one of those little supported ones. So I did take your advice. If you have got an Apple and you do a lot of work at home, good trackpad as well. Great advice that Bevan gave me. You. Keeps you a lot more ambidextrous. You have your mouse on one side and your trackpad on the other, and it just means you use both hands. You don't get that carpal tunnel. But also, on. it's way more efficient way to use computers, too, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I really. So love it was good advice. Yeah, well, you know. Outside of, that, listening. outside of that, Bevan, uh, Jesus, the sun's just, so what is it, 7.40 over here, the sun's just come up and it is a pretty 
beautiful view because uh, we've had a bit of snow. Yep. That's looking good. What's about this weekend? So you got your big party? Big party this weekend and easy week of training. So you're what 40 next year, are you? I'm 40 this year. I'm 40 in France. That's why we have any oh, camps France. Right, yeah, so you're going to have a party? Uh, in Post. France. It's the second to last day, so we have a bit of a bit of a dinner shindig the, on the, the last day of camp. 40. Um, it's 40 warrior? No, we're not one. Not one Does it worry Belinda? How old is Belinda? So. She's 40 this year as well. She's going to New York. Oh, mm. cool. Uh, outside of that, Bevan. No, just trucking along. Soccer team had a win at the weekend. <laughs> Two in a row, is it? Two in a row. <laughs> yeah. Just drew with the other teams into a false sense of security. It was Leicester City. We took Leicester City down. What do you mean? Well, our teams are called uh, the oh, Premiership pre- teams and stuff. We're, Real, we're Real Madrid. Obviously not Premiership, but... Um, How do you, who determines these things? We just got given them. Oh, okay. This week we're playing Chelsea. That's mm. quite cool. Hmm. So and what club does he play for? Cashmere Tech. Yeah. Yeah. So outside of that, Bevan, not a lot going on. Well, John, last weekend, we, I talked about the painting, didn't I? We are going to do a sip Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So Joe and I went to this thing called Paint and Sip or Sip and Pay. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it is. have to say, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it, John. Mm-hmm. Because what you do is you go along, you turn up, mm-hmm. and there's some art student there and a guy behind a bar. And a uh, couple of things I did really well. They had great 80s music on the whole time when you were there. Nice. So you just, because I don't really, I like to listen to podcasts when I work. Mm-hmm. So I'll tend to be, and I just forgot what it's like to have music in your life. And, uh, and like I have music in my life, don't get me wrong, but a lot of my time I would just want to listen to content. Um, and so we're playing away and, and just hit after hit of 80s classics. <laughs> and you know, and just random ones you haven't heard in a while. And everyone was mm-hmm. kind of just kind of slightly singing in the background or whistling and stuff. So it was mm-hmm. kind of cool atmosphere. Everyone, everyone's together, so everyone's doing the same painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe and I made a very controversial choice, yeah, but risque. And at first, I thought we'd made a fatal mistake, but it turned out okay. And then the artist basically just shows you how to do the painting. Mm-hmm. And so we chose. So we, the one we were was two painting. I'll go get it. You, you can talk for a second. Oh, so that's the picture Joe was going to show. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. thought it, I thought it was some sort of photography she was going to show us, but no. But wait, this is a great podcast. And he's going to come back with a painting. That is quite uh, quite impressive, actually. Yeah, yeah. Who did who did the one with the the sun thing in the corner? Is that yours? That's mine. But yeah. Joe actually did the sun. So. I was going to say the sun's the sun's the one thing outside the sun. That's looking pretty good. So what so what basically happened was, yeah, and what I'll do, I'll put, I'll put a picture on. This will be this week's photo on the website because it's it's a re- and it's a really cool night out. Mm-hmm. Something different, something that you're doing. But even I put it on Instagram and Facebook. Got lots. Like 300 likes on Facebook, John. That's mm. how popular this was. But one of the listeners even commented on on Instagram. And who was it? It was uh, Black Pog Endurance. I'm not sure who that is, but you know who you are. Heard about this on I Am Talk. Actually, looks pretty cool, mate. Nice one. Yeah. So, and basically, yeah, so they take you through it. And I'm not an artist at all. Oh, I am absolutely terrible. You can't really go I wrong, can't. John. You yeah. can't really. And admittedly, the, the artist was saying that for us, this was one of the easier ones. Yeah. So it was actually pretty easy. But, um, because the actual most everyone else went blue, and, so it was actually a blue painting, right. and kind of blue and white, and it was actually quite cool. But blue doesn't suit our house, mm. so because we've got more reds and browns and stuff, yeah. so we went with the red. I bet Joe came out with that night. Yeah, she didn't want to affect the feng shui of the house. Oh yeah, I, I yeah. said, babe, what do you want? And she said, let's go with the red. And we started it, and we had the red at the bottom. And luckily, because we were doing it, and it looked like a fire. It mm. did not look good. It was like, oh, this is going to be a didn't disaster. Want your birdies going yeah, it looked fire. like bloody watching an Australian outback fire. And I, and, I, and I said, babe, maybe we should turn upside down. Genius move. Well done. And then, so yeah, so we are officially artists. So if you've got something like this in your city, mm. and, or if you're in Christchurch, and apparently it's just open in Queenstown, mm. um, 
highly recommend it. Something different. Good. And you've got something to keep for your memories from there onwards. Good. John. How's your fitness, Bevan? Uh, why is that? I'm just I'm, no, no, it was not a pro leading probing question. It was just. I'm actually, John, I've been doing weights for the last month mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm really enjoying it. And it's, I'm kind of thinking I've been consistent for the last month, which is always a bit of a struggle because I always want to do weights, but I, it's never that important to me. Mm -hmm. um, so that's good. And then I'm thinking that once I get back from Thailand, I'll probably look for a goal. All right. So, yeah. So, I'm, but I'm getting massive. See Sky Challenge. Yeah. When is it? April. It's the swimming, John. You can do the run. I've always got an answer. People always say it's swim. You can just do the run. How long's the run? A 2K run and then a 15K bike and a 7.5K oh, run. No, I, would like, I think it's a great event. And then uh, people, people always come back to me, oh, can't run. Well, you can do a team. Can't, 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 I hate people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you never goss? Uh, no, that's it. Okay, let's wrap it up. Iron run. I'm in it. I didn't even get that right. Iron rusts. I mean, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard. And just one other thing. Oh, we're going to finish. I did hear you say Iron Man talk earlier in the show, so you'll be oh, doing, really? doing your press-ups. Uh, why, 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 why would I say that? Uh, I what were we talking about? I didn't pull you up at the time. I thought, I'll save that to the end. Really? Yeah. Maybe I was talking about before that, I, don't know, I can't even remember yeah. mentioning the show. You said it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You'll be sorry. You got to do the press ups. How many? And you got to do. It. Why don't we? Why don't you? Hold on. I know we're padding the show here. Why don't you go for the new the, the record for the the plank or the or the was uh, like eight hours or something like that? Was yeah. It? A Chinese uh, Chinese How policeman did, did the uh, the the plank for. Did you watch the video? Because no. you see the guy who was a record holder, right? Because the old guy was doing like seven hours as well. So like, they're both impressive, yeah. but the old guy was. You could tell deep down he was gutted, but he was being the better person. Oh, that's good. Right? So it was, it was well done. It's amazing, John. How holding a plank for a boredom? Mm. B to me, it's not so much the core; it's the shoulders. Because mm. if you've done long planks, when you I, get, I haven't, but <laughs> well, when your shoulders, it's your shoulders that do you. Yeah. So yeah, impressive. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Okay, I'll see you in eight hours from now then. <laughs> yeah.